through the month of August, um, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. And uh, last week we looked at the, the, the recognition of relationship, our Father. It's a recognition of the body of Christ as believers, that we are part of the body of Christ, those who's uh, come to the, uh, to, to the cross, those who've come to know Christ as their saviour, uh, are one body in Christ. And today I'm going to look with you at the recognition of the Father. So I would like us to say the Lord's Prayer together. I had it up on the screen last week and we're going to do the, the old traditional one. Sorry, young folks, but... We'll do the these and those well, because they're all a little bit recorded differently. So, if you can remember it, this is how it goes. So say, let's all say it together. Our Father, which who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> so I got a bit mixed up in trespasses and debts. <laughs> when we talk about the being that is God, <clears throat> We could be overwhelmed. In fact, I think being overwhelmed is the natural response when we think of the greatness of God. <clears throat> From the tiniest molecules and atoms to the universe with its vast space, um, light travels at 186,000 miles a second. It goes round the earth seven times in one second. So if we say one, two, it's past Australia seven times. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty fast. Uh, but they measure um, distances uh, in the amount of miles <laughs> that light travels in a whole year. <laughs> Phenomenal distances. Our nearest star is four light years away. And because of the new telescopes and everything that we, we have nowadays, we can see distant galaxies where the light from them is coming. It's taken millions of light years to get to us. And you could be overwhelmed at the Creator. <clears throat> God is self-existent. He's independent. He needs nothing. Everything else depends on him. There's another word, immutability. He does not change. He doesn't get any better, and he doesn't get any worse. 
He's infinite. He's without limit. He's not limited by time or space or the universe he created. He's eternal. He's without beginning and he's without end. He's omnipresent, he's everywhere at the same time, and he's omniscient, he's above everything. <laughs> but Jesus waved all that to one side, and he said, when you pray, say, Father. To me, he's my Father. The psalmist David, he wrote, Lord, my heart isn't proud. My eyes are not haughty. I, I don't concern myself with matters too great and too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, he said, I have calmed uh, myself, I quietened myself like a weaned child. In other words, he, he knew his, there were things he didn't know, but he was content with what he did know. Now, we don't know everything there is to know about the being we call God, but we know enough to call him Father. There are two aspects I want to look at on fatherhood this morning. One is, I've called it biological, and the other, I've called it relational. In the book of James, this is what the scripture says. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters, Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. It was God that brought us into existence. Now, when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night time, you might remember, he said, Lord, he said, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God because nobody could do these miracles, which you are doing, except that God was with him. And Jesus seemed to just wave all that sort of question away. And he looked Nicodemus in the eye and he said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Nicodemus was amazed. He said, how? Can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter again into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, no. He said, you need to be born of water and of the spirit. <clears throat> there needs to be a fusion of the water and the spirit. Now, water in the Bible, often or in the New Testament, usually speaks of the word of God. <clears throat> but Paul talks about the washing of water by the word. Now, the word of God tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short. We've all missed the way. We've all missed the mark. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that justice demands that all sin is punished. If God is going to be fair with everyone, he's got to be fair with me. The Bible tells us that God in Christ died in our place that we might be forgiven. He took the punishment of his own law. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that all who believe can be saved and find peace with God. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what the word says. 
Now the Holy Spirit comes along <clears throat> and he applies the word. He says to us, not all have sinned, I have sinned. And he makes it personal to us as individuals. I have sinned. I have missed the way. If I am judged, I will be guilty. Then the Holy Spirit applies that wonderful truth that Christ, in dying for the whole world, died for me. He included me and he included you as well. He died in your place. He took your sins. He took your failures. He took every wrong thing you've ever done, said or thought. And he did it for you upon the cross. And the Bible says, if you believe, you will be saved. And you dare to accept the fact that you are born again. So the word and the spirit. He said to Nicodemus, you need to be born of water and the spirit. And there's this fusion <clears throat> that comes when the word of God and the spirit of God applies the word and you're born again. You become alive. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it's not a matter of coming to church or singing the songs or whatever. It's if you're born again. If, you're, if you're, you've had an experience of birth. Hallelujah. Now, there was nothing, as I, I can't remember, ever saying, I think I'll be born. The first I knew about it was when I was here. Um, in the natural. It is, it is God that gives us the new birth that we are born again by the Spirit of God. Um, he chose to give us birth by giving us his true word. <clears throat> but there's more to being a father than a biological father. Some say, you know, uh, Dad was, was not much of a father to me. What did he mean? <clears throat> what does she mean? <clears throat> um, it means that the things that you would expect from a father were somehow missing in my particular experience. So I want to look with you briefly this morning at what uh, our heavenly father is like. And uh, I, I know uh, before we start that I'm not going to be able to, to fully show you the glory of our heavenly father. <clears throat> but first of all, what does a good father do? First of all, he loves us. He, we've seen this little child this morning. <clears throat> uh, the, the child is loved and God loves you. There's the old song that says, could we with ink the oceans fill? Or were the skies of parchment made and every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. <clears throat> we are loved by God. You are loved by God. And sometimes people think you need to reach some sort of a standard before God love, would love you. <clears throat> In the book of Revelation, it says, he has loved us and washed us from our sins. He doesn't say he washed us and then he loved us. He loved us, then he washed us. <clears throat> and Jeremiah says, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, 
I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. And in the book of Malachi, he says in a different way. He, the Lord said, I have always loved you, says the Lord. But you retort, really? How have you loved us? Sometimes we think God will only love us if we do the right thing. <clears throat> I play a little golf. <clears throat> well, sometimes you can't recognize it, but it is supposed to be golf. I was playing golf with a person in our golf club some years ago, a fella called Joe. <clears throat> and uh, Joe lost a golf ball on the first hole. He lost another golf ball on the second hole, the third hole, the fourth hole, and then the fifth hole. So he has lost five golf balls and we're only up to hole Six. Then he started playing a little bit better until he got to the 16th hole at our golf club. And he hit this shot, uh, what we call a drive, the first shot, <laughs> and he mishit it. It didn't go too far. Now, on golf courses, I hope you're not bored with this, but <clears throat> on golf courses, there are posts that are about 150 yards from the green, so you know where you are. Now, on our golf course, these are stones, square stones. So Joe is playing his second shot, and he hit this particular stone. The ball flew back over his head, and so he's farther away now than what he was before. Finally, he struck the next ball out of bounds. He turned to me, because they know I'm a pastor. They turned to me and he pointed to the sky and he said, he doesn't love me. <laughs> I said, of course he loves you, Joe. It's just that you're having a bad day at golf. <laughs> There's something in us that thinks, we just got to perform a little better and God will like me more. <clears throat> I've mentioned to you before, and we've got a couple of new babies in here, and <clears throat> Tasha and um, Jordan's little uh, Isaac, he'd be in. Now, I ask everybody, everybody goes around this little baby. I did at the beginning, have a little look at him, poke his chin. Everybody loves this kid. So I ask, what has this child done? Has he tidied his cot? No. Has he done the dishes for his mum? No. Has he chipped in and helped with the mortgage or the, the rent? <coughs> this child is a total financial liability. But everybody loves him. Because this child is loved for himself, not for what he's done. And it takes some of us a lifetime to realize that we are loved for ourselves, 
and not for what we have done. I have loved you, said the Lord, with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, I drew you to myself. Zephaniah says, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And that word in the original Hebrew <clears throat> means to whirl around. You know, as a, as a father would get hold of the little child and spin him around or spin her around. Just so overjoyed that this child has come into their world. And God looks at us like that. And it's time some of us started believing it. So Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, Father. <clears throat> Secondly, what does a good father do? A good father corrects and guides us along the journey. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, you have forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. My child, he says, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes each one he accepts as his child. This is not a mushy love. This is not kids rule love. This is a genuine love from God. I remember as a boy in my father's church, there was a couple and they were very much into child psychology. And I went to their house one day and they had a little child. I forget how old he was. He'll have grown up, of course, now. But he was swinging on the curtains. I thought, these curtains are going to fall any minute. And the wife said, what is he trying to tell us? Well, I've got a theory of what he was trying to tell us, <laughs> but I didn't mention it. <laughs> God doesn't give us all we, we want. You know, I heard of a, I heard of a, a girl who, who, who wanted to marry this guy called Fred. <clears throat> and she, 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 if she wasn't going to marry Fred, she wasn't going to marry anybody. It was Lord, it was him or nobody else. She prayed and prayed and prayed and Fred married somebody else. <clears throat> the years go by and 30 years later she met Fred again and she got one of those secret prayers. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> God doesn't always give us everything we need right when we demand it. He's a more loving father than that. <clears throat> In the book of Proverbs, there's a lot of fatherly advice. <clears throat> things to avoid and things to do. Avoid sexual laxity. Now, sometimes when it speaks of uh, this, it, it portrays a woman. But also, when it comes to wisdom, it portrays a woman. So it's not a, it's, it's not a sexist thing, this. It's a, it, it, it's a sort of a generic, if you will. It's a, it, it, it's a symbolic thing. This is what Proverbs 5 says. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment. 
and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. For she cares nothing about the paths to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. And these days we're awash with, 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 with sexual immorality everywhere. And, and, and the standards are, uh, and what has been taught to our young people, if I were God, I'd strangle them all. These teachers of, 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 of false ways and stuff and blighting a lot of the young people. And so a fatherly says, keep away from that kind of thing. You know, free love and pornography and all that kind of thing. <clears throat> Avoid laxness in business. This is what Proverbs says. Lazy people <clears throat> are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. A wise youth harvests in the summer. But one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. <clears throat> Don't be lazy or lax. Don't be stingy. <laughs> Proverbs 11 says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. <laughs> Goes on, you know, don't lie. Don't gossip. Don't befriend people who will lead you astray. These are fatherly words, fatherly advice. And God disciplines those he accepts as children. <clears throat> I hope my wife doesn't mind me saying this. I forgot to check it out first. <clears throat> <clears throat> but she said to me, she said, I feel God's been telling me off recently. So I said to her, I said, well, you should be thankful he's still talking to you. <laughs> I think it was the way she was treating me, to be honest. But <laughs> Sometimes God may withhold his presence that he might draw you back to walk with him. The psalm says his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping might endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. <clears throat> I, there's an American singer called Don Francisco, and he wrote some lovely songs. And one of them is, <clears throat> uh, I'll never let go of your hand. I was going to pray it, but I thought, well, I'll not bother. <clears throat> well, one of the verses goes like this. I know what you've been hearing I've seen you hide your fear, embarrassed by your weaknesses, afraid to let me near. I wish you knew how much I long for you to understand. No matter what may happen, child, I'll never let go of your hand. When we've messed up, when we've gone the wrong way, done the wrong thing, he said, I'll never let go of your hand. There's a beautiful verse, I think I missed it out here, 
where God waits. It says, God will wait. It says, he's talking to them and they're going to make mistakes. And this is what he said to them in Isaiah 30. 1,000 shall flee at the threat of one. 1,000 shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five you will flee till you are left as a pole on the top of a mountain like a banner on a hill. Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious to you. Therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. Where God waits that he may be gracious to you. God is faithful. He's loving. He corrects us. But he is faithful. He will always be there. Deuteronomy says, Understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. He will always be there. I will never leave you, says the scripture. I will never forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age, Jesus said. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he said, and I will be with you. And in the book of Isaiah, it says, when you pass through the waters, that's the waters of trouble, I get it. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And he said, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you because I'm with you. I'm with you when you're good and I'm with you when you're not so good. I'm with you when you're right and I'm with you when you're wrong. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego would not bow down to the image of gold. So Nebuchadnezzar had them thrown into the fiery furnace, three of them. But when Nebuchadnezzar looked in the fire, he said, didn't we throw three in there? He said, but I see four, the fourth man. And the form of the fourth is like the sun. In the original, it says the son of the gods. It was Jesus that was with them in the fire. The trials of life, the troubles of life. And he's with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us because he's a good father. <clears throat> and when he sees some of his children messing up, taking wrong turns, getting in wrong relationships, doing the wrong thing. The Bible says he waits. He will wait. Like the father of the prodigal son, the boy asked for his money. Dad, when you die, you're going to give us this anyway. Why can I have mine now? So he got his share and off he went. And I guess the old father, the day went, I want to be back tomorrow. And tomorrow came and went. I wonder if he'll be back this week. Or maybe it's his birthday soon. I wonder if he'll show up then. Well, no, it's, it's, it's a festival next. I wonder if and the, the old father is waiting. He's waiting, not with his big sick to hit him. He's waiting. He's waiting with the robe to put on him. He's waiting with the ring to put on his finger. He's waiting with the shoes to put on his feet. The band is ready. And one day, one day, he sees a bundle of rags in the distance. What's that? Another vagrant coming by. 
And then he might have recognized the way he was walking. And the old man couldn't believe his eyes. It was the boy that left some time ago. The father ran to him. He was running to him that he might be gracious to him. Because God is faithful to us. And some of us mess up some worse than others. But God is waiting to be gracious. He's waiting to be merciful. When Jesus said, don't think of all the bigness of the universe. Say, Father, you will not leave me and you'll never forsake me. And you'll always be with me. Finally, what does a good father, a good heavenly father do? He provides for us. This is what Jesus said. If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of you of little faith? Stop worrying. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to provide for you. He said, look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For God feeds them. And you are far more valuable than any bird. The psalmist said, I have been young and I'm now old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The story goes of a very poor lady in the olden days. She lived in a village, and she was so poor, that no money, and the larder was empty. She had nothing, and she was praying. Lord, I need some bread. I, I, need, I need some food, Lord. I need some bread. Now, there were some mischievous boys outside of her door, and they heard her praying. So they went to the shop and they bought a loaf of bread and they put it on the step of her house, knocked at the door and ran away and hid. The little lady came out, she looked, oh, a loaf of bread, Lord, thank you, you've answered my prayer, Lord, thank you for this loaf of bread, you've heard me. Then these mischievous young lads jumped out from their hiding place. He said, it wasn't God at all. It was us. We went to the shop. We bought it. We sent that. No, she said. God gave it to me. He just got the devil to deliver it. <laughs> <laughs> and my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. What did he say? I want to open the windows of heaven for you and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. <clears throat> well, I've just about finished. And I wonder, some of us may have had wonderful earthly fathers, but none can compare with our heavenly father. And I want to play, play for you, I think I played it once before, uh, what is called the Father's Love Letter. And they're just quotations from the Bible about the Father heart of God. And I've asked Natalie if she would print some off. And as you leave this morning, uh, 
I would like you to take one. They're just quotations from the Bible of all that the Father has said he will be and do on our behalf. <clears throat> and then afterwards, we have time. I think, as we sing a reflective song I've, uh, uh, afterwards, I would like to ask you, if you would like prayer, to know more of the Father heart of God. Maybe you have been a performance-related person. I've got to live up. I've got to do this. I've got to get... And God says, listen, I have loved you when you're good, and I've loved you when you're not so good. I've loved you when you're right, and I've loved you when you're wrong, and I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. I'll correct you from time to time, but I'll never let go of your hand. I'll always be with you. And Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. Right, we're going to listen to this, and then I'm going to ask you if you'll stand with us later, and we're going to sing a reflective song, and uh, I'm going to invite you to come to the front if you would like prayer for any of them. <clears throat> Thank you, Dave. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me, you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. 
delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. Nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you.